Section 10 of A Far Country by Winston Churchill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2, Chapter 10, Part 1. This was not my first visit to the state capital. Indeed, some of that recondite knowledge in which I took a pride had been gained on the occasions of my previous visits rising and dressing early i beheld out of the car window the broad shallow river glinting in the morning sunlight the dome of the state house against the blue of the sky even at that early hour groups of the gentlemen who made our laws were scattered about the lobby of the potts house standing or seated within easy reach of the gaily coloured cuspidors that protected the marble floor heavy-jawed workers from the cities mingled with moon-faced but astute countrymen who manipulated votes amongst farms and villages fat or cadaverous irish german or american all bore in common a certain indefinable stamp having eaten my breakfast in a large dining-room that resounded with the clatter of dishes i directed my steps to the apartment occupied from year to year by colonel paul barney generalissimo of the railroad on the legislative battlefield a position that demanded a certain uniqueness of genius how do you do sir he said in a guarded but courteous tone as he opened the door i entered to confront a group of three or four figures silent and rather hostile seated in a haze of tobacco smoke around a marble-topped table on it reposed a bible attached to a chain you probably don't remember me colonel i said my name is parrot and i'm associated with the firm of watling founds and ripon his air of marginality heightened by a grey moustache and goatee a la napoleon third vanished instantly he became hospitable ingratiating why why certainly you were down here with mr founds two years ago the colonel spoke with a slight southern accent to be sure sir i've had the honour of meeting your father mr norris of north haven meet mr parrot one of our rising lawyers i shook hands with them all and sat down opening his long coat colonel varney revealed two rows of cigars suggesting cartridges in a belt these he proceeded to hand out as he talked i'm glad to see you here mr parrot you must stay a while and become acquainted with the men who ahem, are shaping the destinies of a great state it would give me pleasure to escort you about i thanked him i had learned enough to realize how important are the amenities in politics and business the colonel did most of the conversing he could not have filled with efficiency and ease the important post that was his had it not been for the endless fund of humorous anecdotes at his disposal one by one the visitors left each assuring me of his personal regard the colonel closed the door softly turning the key in the lock there was a sly look in his black eyes as he took a chair in proximity to mine well mr parrot he asked softly what's up without further ado i handed him mr gorse's letter and another mr watling had given me for him which contained a copy of the bill he read these laid them on the table glancing at me again stroking his goatee the while he chuckled 
by gum he exclaimed i take off my hat to theodore watling always did he became contemplative it can be done mr parrot but it's going to take some careful driving sir some reaching out and flicking em when they're rar and buck paul varney's never been stumped yet just as soon as this is introduced we'll have gates and armstrong down here they're the ribblevale attorneys aren't they i thought so and the best legal talent they can hire and they'll round up all the disgruntled fellows you know that ain't friendly to the railroad we've got to do it quick mr parrot course gave you a letter to the governor didn't he yes i said well come along i'll pass the word around among the boys just to let em know what to expect his eyes glittered again i've been following this ripplevale business he added and i understand leonard dickinson's all ready to reorganize the company when the time comes he ought to let me in for a little on the ground floor i did not venture to make any promises for mr dickinson i reckon it's just as well if you were to meet me at the governor's office the colonel added reflectively and the hint was not lost on me it's better not to let em find out any sooner than they have to where this thing comes from you understand he looked at his watch how would nine o'clock do i'll be there with true lease when you come by accident you understand of course he'll be reasonable but when they get to the governor's they have little notions you know and you've got to indulge em flatter em a little it doesn't hurt for when they get their backs up it only makes more trouble he put on a soft black felt hat and departed noiselessly at nine o'clock i arrived at the state house and was ushered into a great square room overlooking the park the governor was seated at a desk under an elaborate chandelier and sure enough colonel varney was there beside him making perceptible signals it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance mr parrot said mr Trulies. your name is a familiar one in your city sir and i gather from your card that you are associated with my good friend theodore watling i acknowledged it i was not a little impressed by the perfect blend of cordiality democratic simplicity and impressiveness mr trulease had achieved for he had managed in the course of a long political career to combine in exact proportions these elements which in the public mind should up the personality of a chief executive momentarily he overcame the feeling of superiority with which i had entered his presence neutralized the sense i had of being associated now with the higher powers which had put him where he was for i knew all about his record you're acquainted with colonel varney he inquired yes governor i've met the colonel i said well i suppose your firm is getting its share of business these days mr trulease observed i acknowledged it was and after discussing for a few moments the remarkable growth of my native city the governor tapped on his desk and inquired what he could do for me i produced the letter from the attorney for the railroad the governor read it gravely ah he said from mr gorse a copy of the proposed bill was enclosed and the governor read that also hemmed and hawed a little turned and handed it to colonel varney who was sitting with a detached air 
smoking contemplatively a vacant expression on his face what do you think of this colonel whereupon the colonel tore himself away from his reflections what's that governor mr gorse has called my attention to what seems to him a flaw in our statutes an inability to obtain testimony from corporations whose books are elsewhere and who may thus evade he says to a certain extent the sovereign will of our state the colonel took the paper with an admirable air of surprise adjusted his glasses and became absorbed in reading clearing his throat once or twice and emitting an exclamation well if you ask me governor he said at length all i can say is that i am astonished somebody didn't think of this simple remedy before now many times sir have i seen justice defeated because we had no such legislation as this he handed it back the governor studied it once more and coughed does the penalty he inquired seem to you a little severe no sir replied the colonel emphatically perhaps it is because i am anxious as a citizen to see an evil abated i have had an intimate knowledge of legislation sir for more than twenty years in this state and in all that time i do not remember to have seen a bill more concisely drawn or better calculated to accomplish the ends of justice indeed i often wondered why this very penalty was not imposed foreign magistrates are notoriously indifferent as to affairs in another state than their own rather than go into the hands of a receiver i venture to say that hereafter if this bill is made a law the necessary testimony will be forthcoming the governor read the bill through again if it is introduced colonel he said the legislature and the people of the state ought to have it made clear to them that its aim is to remedy an injustice a misunderstanding on this point would be unfortunate most unfortunate governor and of course added the governor now addressing me it would be improper for me to indicate what course i shall pursue in regard to it if it should come to me for my signature yet i may go so far as to say that the defect it seeks to remedy seems to me a real one come in and see me mr parrot when you are in town and give my cordial regards to mr watling so gravely had the farce been carried on that i almost laughed despite the fact that the matter in question was a serious one for me the governor held out his hand and i accepted my dismissal i had not gone fifty steps in the corridor before i heard the colonel's voice in my ear we had to give him a little rope to go through with his act he whispered confidentially but he'll sign it all right and now if you'll excuse me mr parrot i'll lay a few mines see you at the hotel sir thus he indicated delicately that it would be better for me to keep out of sight on my way to the potts house the bizarre elements in the situation struck me again with considerable force it seemed so ridiculous so puerile to have to go through with this political farce in order that a natural economic evolution might be achieved without doubt the development of certain industries had reached a stage where the units in competition had become too small when a greater concentration of capital was necessary 
curiously enough in this mental argument of justification i left out all consideration of the size of the probable profits to mr scherer and his friends profits and brains went together and since the almighty did not limit the latter why should man attempt to limit the former we were playing for high but justifiable stakes and i resented the comedy which a hypocritical insistence on the forms of democracy compelled us to go through it seemed unworthy of men who controlled the destinies of state and nation the point of view however was consoling as the day wore on i sat in the colonel's room admiring the skill with which he conducted the campaign a green country lawyer had been got to introduce the bill it had been expedited to the committee on the judiciary which would have an executive session immediately after dinner i had ventured to inquire about the hearings there won't be any hearings sir the colonel assured me we own that committee from top to bottom indeed by four o'clock in the afternoon the message came that the committee had agreed to recommend the bill shortly after that the first flurry occurred there came a knock at the door followed by the entrance of a stocky irish-american of about forty years of age whose black hair was plastered over his forehead his sea-blue eyes had a stormy look hello jim said the colonel i was just wondering where you were sure you must ben replied the gentleman sarcastically but the colonel's geniality was unruffled mr maker he said you ought to know mr parrot mr maker is the representative from ward five of your city and we can always count on him to do the right thing even if he is a democrat how about it jim mr maker relighted the stump of his cigar take a fresh one jim said the colonel opening a bureau drawer mr maker took two say colonel he demanded what's this bill that went into the judiciary this morning what bill asked the colonel blandly so you think i ain't on mr maker inquired the colonel laughed where have you been jim i've been up to the city seen my wife that's where i've been the colonel smiled as at a harmless fiction well if you weren't here i don't see what right you've got to complain i never leave my good democratic friends on the outside do i that's all right replied mr maker doggedly i'm on i'm here now and that bill in the judiciary doesn't pass without me i guess i can stop it too how about a thousand apiece for five of us boys you're pretty good at a joke jim remarked the colonel stroking his goatee maybe you're looking for a little publicity in this here game retorted mr maker darkly say colonel ain't we always treated the railroad on the level jim asked the colonel gently didn't i always take care of you he had laid his hand on the shoulder of mr maker who appeared slightly mollified and glanced at a massive silver watch well i'll be dropping in about eight o'clock was his significant reply as he took his leave i guess we'll have to grease the wheels a little the colonel remarked to me and gazed at the ceiling the telegram apropos of the ward five leader was by no means the only cipher message i sent back during my stay 
i had not needed to be told that the matter in hand would cost money but mr watling's parting instruction to me had been to take the colonel's advice as to specific sums and obtain confirmation from founds nor was it any surprise to me to find democrats on intimate terms with such a stout republican as the colonel some statesman is said to have declared that he knew neither easterners nor westerners northerners nor southerners but only americans so colonel varney recognized neither democrats nor republicans in our legislature party divisions were sunk in by a greater loyalty to the railroad at the colonel's suggestion i had laid in a liberal supply of cigars and whiskey the scene in his room that evening suggested a session of a sublimated grand lodge of some secret order such were the mysterious comings and goings knocks and suspenses one after another the important men duly appeared and were introduced the colonel supplying the light touch why cuss me if it isn't billy mr parrot i want you to shake hands with mr donovan the floor leader of the opposition sir mr donovan has the habit of coming up here for a friendly chat ever since he first came down to the legislature how long is it billy i guess it's nigh on to fifteen years colonel fifteen years echoed the colonel and he's so good a democrat it hasn't changed his politics a particle mr donovan grinned in appreciation of this thrust helping himself liberally from the bottle on the mantel and took a seat on the bed we had a friendly chat thus i made the acquaintance also of the hon joseph mecklin speaker of the house who unbent in the most flattering way on learning my identity mr parrott's here on that little matter representing watling founds and ripon the colonel explained and it appeared that mr mecklin knew all about the little matter and that the mention of the firm of watling founds and ripon had a magical effect in these parts the president of the senate the hon leif giddings went so far as to say that he hoped before long to see mr watling in washington by no means the least among our callers was the hon fitch truesdale editor of the st helen's messenger whose editorials were of the trite effectiveness that is taken widely for wisdom and were assiduously copied every week by other state papers and labelled mr truesdale's common sense at countless firesides in our state he was known as the spokesman of the plain man who was blissfully ignorant of the fact that mr truesdale was owned body and carcass by mr cyrus ridden the principal manufacturer of st helens and a director in several subsidiary lines of the railroad in the legislature the hon fitch's function was that of the moderate councillor and bellwether for new members hence nothing could have been more fitting than the choice of that gentleman for the honour of moving on the morrow that bill number seven hundred nine ought to pass mr truesdale reluctantly consented to accept a small loan that would help to pay the mortgage on his new press when the last of the gathering had departed about one o'clock in the morning i had added considerably to my experience gained a pretty accurate idea of who was who in the legislature and politics of the state and established relationships as the colonel reminded me likely to prove valuable in the future 
it seemed only gracious to congratulate him on his management of the affair so far he appeared pleased and squeezed my hand well sir it did require a little delicacy of touch and if i do say it myself it hasn't been botched he admitted there ain't an outsider as far as i can learn who has caught on to the nigger in the woodpile that's the great thing to keep em ignorant as long as possible you understand they yell bloody murder when they do find out but generally it's too late if a bill's been handled right i found myself speculating as to who the outsiders might be no ripplevale attorneys were on the spot as yet of that i was satisfied in the absence of these who were the opposition it seemed to me as though i had interviewed that day every man in the legislature i was very tired but when i got into bed it was impossible to sleep my eyes smarted from the tobacco smoke and the events of the day in disorderly manner kept running through my head the tide of my exhilaration had ebbed and i found myself struggling against a revulsion caused apparently by the contemplation of colonel varney and his associates the instruments in brief by which our triumph over our opponents was to be effected and that same idea which when launched amidst the surroundings of the boyne club had seemed so brilliant now took on an aspect of tawdriness another thought intruded itself that of mr pugh the president of the ripplevale company my father had known him and some years before i had travelled halfway across the state in his company his kindliness had impressed me he had spent a large part of his business life i knew in building up the ripplevale and now it was to be wrested from him he was to be set aside perhaps forced to start all over again when old age was coming on in vain i accused myself of sentimentality and summoned all my arguments to prove that in commerce efficiency must be the only test the image of mr pugh would not down i got up and turned on the light and took refuge in a novel i had in my bag presently i grew calmer i had chosen i had succeeded and now that i had my finger at last on the nerve of power it was no time to weaken it was half-past six when i awoke and went to the window relieved to find that the sun had scattered my morbid fancies with the darkness and i speculated as i dressed whether the thing called conscience were not after all a matter of nerves i went downstairs through the tobacco-stale atmosphere of the lobby into the fresh air and sparkly sunlight of the mild february morning and leaving the business district i reached the residence portion of the little town the front steps of some of the comfortable houses were being swept by industrious servant girls and out of the chimneys twisted fantastically rich blue smoke the bare branches of the trees were silver-gray against the sky gaining at last an old-fashioned wooden bridge i stood for a while gazing at the river over the shallows of which the spendthrift hand of nature had flung a shower of diamonds and i reflected that the world was for the strong for him who dared reach out his hand and take what it offered it was not money we coveted we americans but power the self-expression conferred by power 
a single experience such as i had had the night before would serve to convince any sane man that democracy was a failure that the world-old principle of aristocracy would assert itself that the attempt of our ancestors to curtail political power had merely resulted in the growth of another and greater economic power that bade fair to be limitless as i walked slowly back into town i felt a reluctance to return to the noisy hotel and finding myself in front of a little restaurant on a side street i entered it there was but one other customer in the place and he was seated on the far side of the counter with a newspaper in front of him and while i was ordering my breakfast i was vaguely aware that the newspaper had dropped and that he was looking at me in the slight interval that elapsed before my brain could register his identity i experienced a distinct shock of resentment a sense of the re-intrusion of an antagonistic value at a moment when it was most unwelcome the man had risen and was coming around the counter he was herman krebs parrot i heard him say you here i exclaimed he did not seem to notice the lack of cordiality in my tone he appeared so genuinely glad to see me again that i instantly became rather ashamed of my ill-nature yes i'm here in the legislature he informed me a salon exactly he smiled and you he inquired oh i'm only a spectator down here for a day or two he was still lanky his clothes gave no evidence of an increased prosperity but his complexion was good his skin had cleared i was more than ever taken by a resolute good humour a simplicity that was not innocence a whimsical touch seemingly indicative of a state of mind that refused to take too seriously certain things on which i set store what right had he to be contented with life well i too am only a spectator here he laughed i'm neither fish flesh nor fowl nor good red herring you were going into the law weren't you i asked i remember you said something about it that day we met at beverly farms yes i managed it after all then i went back home to elkington to try to make a living but somehow i have never thought of you as being likely to develop political aspirations krebs i said i should say not he exclaimed yet here you are launched upon a political career how did it happen oh i'm not worrying about the career he assured me i got here by accident and i'm afraid it won't happen again in a hurry you see the hands in those big mills we have in elkington sprang a surprise on the machine and the first thing i knew i was nominated for the legislature a committee came to my boarding-house and told me and there was the deuce to pay right off the railroad politicians turned in and worked for the democratic candidate of course and the hutchinses who owned the mills tried through emissaries to intimidate their operatives and then i asked well i'm here he said wouldn't you be accomplishing more i inquired if you hadn't antagonized the hutchinses it depends upon what you mean by accomplishment he answered so mildly that i felt more rude than ever well from what you say i suppose you're going in for reform 
that these workmen up at elkington are not satisfied with their conditions and imagine you can help to better them now provided the conditions are not as good as they might be how are you going to improve them if you find yourself isolated here as you say in other words i should cooperate with colonel varney and other disinterested philanthropists he supplied and i realized that i was losing my temper well what can you do i inquired defiantly i can find out what's going on he said i've already learned something by the way and then i asked wondering whether the implication were personal then i can help disseminate the knowledge i may be wrong but i have an idea that when the people of this country learn how their legislatures are conducted they will want to change things that's right echoed the waiter who had come up with my griddle cakes and you're the man to tell him mr krebs it will need several thousand of us to do that i'm afraid said krebs returning his smile my distaste for the situation became more acute but i felt that i was thrown on the defensive i could not retreat now i think you're wrong i declared when the waiter had departed to attend to another customer the people the great majority of them at least are indifferent they don't want to be bothered with politics there will always be labor agitation of course the more wages those fellows get the more they want we pay the highest wages in the world to-day and the standard of living is higher in this country than anywhere else they'd ruin our prosperity if we let em how about the thousands of families who don't earn enough to live decently even in times of prosperity inquired krebs it's hard i'll admit but the inefficient and the shiftless are bound to suffer no matter what form of government you adopt you talk about standards of living i could show you some examples of standards to make your heart sick he said what you don't realize perhaps is that low standards help to increase the inefficient of whom you complain he smiled rather sadly the prosperity you are advocating he added after a moment is a mere fiction it is gorging the few at the expense of the many and what is being done in this country is to store up an explosive gas that some day will blow your superstructure to atoms if you don't wake up in time isn't that a rather one-sided view too i suggested i've no doubt it may appear so but take the proceedings in this legislature i've no doubt you know something about them and that you would maintain they are justified on account of the indifference of the public and of other reasons but i can cite an instance that is simply legalized thieving for the first time a note of indignation crept into krebs's voice last night i discovered by a mere accident in talking to a man who came in on a late train that a bill introduced yesterday which is being rushed through the judiciary committee of the house an apparently innocent little bill will enable if it becomes a law the boyne ironworks of your city to take possession of the ribblevale steel company lock stock and barrel and i am told it was conceived by a lawyer who claims to be a respectable member of his profession and who has extraordinary ability theodore watling krebs put his hand in his pocket and drew out a paper here's a copy of it house bill seven hundred nine 
his expression suddenly changed perhaps mr watling is a friend of yours i'm with his firm i replied krebs's fingers closed over the paper crumpling it oh then you know about this he said he was putting the paper back into his pocket when i took it from him but my adroitness so carefully schooled seemed momentarily to have deserted me what should i say it was necessary to decide quickly don't you take rather a prejudiced view of this krebs i said upon my word i can't see why you should accept a rumour running around the lobbies that mr watling drafted this bill for a particular purpose he was silent but his eyes did not leave my face why should any sensible man a member of the legislature take stock in that kind of gossip i insisted why not judge this bill by its face without heeding a cock and bull story as to how it may have originated it is a good bill or a bad bill let's see what it says i read it so far as i can see it is legislation which we ought to have had long ago and tends to compel a publicity in corporation affairs that is much needed to put a stop to practices which every decent citizen deplores he drew the paper out of my hand you needn't go on parrot he told me it's no use well i'm sorry we don't agree i said and got up i left him twisting the paper in his fingers end of section ten